Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 110, 110 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. This is another live one. I'm still on the road on my book tour and live podcast tour thing. And this one was recorded live in Glasgow. I'll keep it brief and we'll just get to it. This podcast is brought to you by Speech Development Records. Check everyone out on Speech Development Records. We've got some great acts. We've got some great merch. The caps have been flying out, our, our brand new caps. We've, I've stocked up the Edinburgh Fringe DVD. Um, and obviously there's a digital download that's only a fiver. Um, so check that out. I've also stocked up the Sage and Dolan vinyl. So we now have my distraction pieces of vinyl, the Sage Francis gold vinyl for Copper Gone, the B Dolan Midnight Blue vinyl for Kill the Wolf and the King Blues Blood Red vinyl um, for Off With Their Heads. So all in stock, check them out. I'm going to get on with this little chat. Enjoy it. This is a, b- a bonus episode this week. You're very welcome. Um, and we'll see you next week. No, no, I shouldn't say goodbye. I'll say goodbye at the end. I'll say see you next week at the end. Enjoy. This is Live in Glasgow. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. It's not very impactful, is it? You're right. How are you all? Thank you. They uh, they asked if I wanted any music before I come on, like a big impact thing. I said, "No, I'm all right." And they asked if I wanted to approach from the side of the stage. I was like, "I just come down, just come down the middle discreetly." Thank you all for coming out. There's loads of you. I did. Um, I did. I did Edinburgh two nights ago. Yeah. No, but they were really good. I'm not, I'm not kidding. We did a really late one, so they were all drunk. And I think a lot of people from Glasgow had snuck in, so... See? Told ya. But um, there's more of you here tonight than there was there. So you've already beaten them in, in one way. But we don't know if you're going to beat them completely, because... I should explain how the night works. I'm going to stand here and chat for a little bit at the start. And that's it. See you later, guys. No, I'm going to chat for a little bit. But we're recording this as my live podcast. And the guest is you lot. So the quality of the evening... (laughs) It's not really on my back, if I'm honest. Um, I've been up here five minutes. You've laughed a bit. I've kind of done my work. Um... The rest of it is dependent on you guys. And the way we're going to do it, if you like, a lot of people do a book tour thing and they do a Q&A and hand a mic around the crowd. I don't like that. It feels very impersonal. I mean it when I say you're the guest on the podcast, not just some fodder. So the way I do it is if you'd like to ask a question, you can put your hand up or um, if I can't see you, we might change things. But you'll then come on stage and you'll have a seat here and we'll have a little chat. Is that all right with everyone? Good. Well, I'm going to talk for a bit f- first and give you time to, th- to think of some questions. Obviously, I, um, I'm a week into the book tour and anyone who, f- who follows me on social media will be painfully aware of that because I'm posting about it constantly and I'm always kind of conscious of if I post about these things too much, if it's overkill. And then I got an email yesterday, a really long, a lovely email 
from a guy who's a fan of the podcast and all that and said, have you ever thought about having like a fan on the podcast? <sighs> and I said, like, I've been touring the country all week having fans on the podcast and posting about it constantly. And it, it just made me feel a lot better about the fact that I'm not blinding you all with this painful, this painful information. Um, I should tell you a few of the things I've done on my week. I've, I've fit in two films... Three Edinburgh Fringe shows and three other podcast guests. It's a non-live podcasts. So the films I've seen, I've seen. I saw this. I saw Suicide Squad. <laughs> mixed reactions. Very mixed. Um, the person who cheered. Have you seen it? You, you, have you seen it? Yeah. Right. And I, I did need to check because. Because it's, it's one of the biggest grossing films of the year so far. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, I didn't... Huh? Yeah, I know, I know. And that's why it's one of the biggest grossing films of the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it, does, it does worry me a little bit. Because I didn't think it was a great film. I thought it had loads of potential. Again, I didn't hate it because it's a superhero movie. And that excites the fuck out of me. Because going to the cinema and seeing things on the big screen that when I was a kid, you couldn't have seen stuff like that. Like, it literally, it wasn't possible to do what they do. So just that alone has me on your side a little bit. But I didn't think it was a great film. It felt like, I came out of it, and it felt like I'd had someone tell me about a film <laughs> rather than having a watched a film. It's really weird. It, it, it led you through. But it genuinely has me a bit concerned because I think there have been some really, really good superhero films. And what you said there about Harley Quinn kind of really nails it in not the best way because even the director seems to be saying... I, I saw a Q&A with him and he was saying, look, don't blame the actors. It was on me. If it's not good, I wrote it, I directed it. So the fact that a lot of the people involved in it are aware it's not that good, yet because they smashed the costume design on one character, or a few characters it's still going to be absolutely huge and people will go. That kind of scares me a little bit for the quality of films going forward. Harley Quinn does look beautiful, and as someone else pointed out, she's in it, but mainly her bum's in it. I need to level that out. First time a Will Smith comes on the screen, dude is bodied up right now. He's looking amazing. So any ladies who want to go just to see a sexy man, that's another option, but... Yeah, I didn't think it was that great, but again, it's superhero films, they're cool. Um, I also saw Star Trek. Not a lot to say about that either. It's good. It's a really good film. Like, I'm not going to shit on it at all. It's really good. But it's, it's, it, uh, they've almost shot themselves in the foot that they're just consistently really good now. And it's just like, you go there expecting it to be good. It is. And you go home and think, man, what happened with Suicide Squad? Why didn't that... You just forget about St- Star Trek. Um... Other things I've seen, I've seen, I've had three guests on the podcast and I haven't told anyone who they are yet. Would you like to be the first to know? Yeah. This doesn't go out until Friday, so I'll be releasing this on Friday, so you'll be the only people who know for like four days. <laughs> I don't know, you know, to go back to superheroes, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can handle that responsibility, but I'm hoping you can. Um, I've had comedian Brendan Burns, who's fantastic. 
comedian Marcus Brigstock and a chap called Limmy, which, which I know a lot of people have been excited about happening for a long time, so I was very pleased to, to get him on. I, I interviewed him today in my hotel room, and it turns out my hotel room is the most seductive room ever designed. Just the room itself, it's just a hugely seductive room. And I felt really conscious inviting someone I'm meeting for the first time into basically a structural flirtation. <laughs> As we kind of walked in, I'm like, just take a seat, or, or the chaise lounge. Um, <laughs> you're cool. Or the, or the bed with, I think we counted 12 pillows, I think. Uh, two gold ones. Gold pillows, man. You know it's a good day when... There's gold pillows. I mean, the good part there is there's going to be 10 pillows on my floor uh, within 10 minutes of me getting home tonight. So that's, that's strange. So yeah, that was, that was good fun. Also, I saw, I've seen some really good stuff at the Edinburgh Fringe. Are any of you interested in hearing about that? Yeah. Good, because it's... I don't want to hear about Sage and B because I'm seeing them tomorrow. I mean, you're in for a treat because they're really good. They're on at 1.30 every day in the stand in the square. The last time I was here, it was to see, it was to run the merch table for Sage Francis. Who came and saw Sage Francis here? A good few of you. Not, not as many as I was hoping there, but um, it was a ram show, so it doesn't matter if you turned out here. It just means that all of his fans hate me. That's um, all I've learned from that little interaction, which is kind of heartbreaking thing to learn on stage at the beginning of your show, but it's fine. Yeah, I saw, I saw Sage and B. And it was amazing. Like, I've seen them live tons of times, but they're doing a fringe show that's pretty much all spoken word. There's a little bit of music mixed in there, but it's fucking awesome. Um, have you got a lot else planned for when you go and see them tomorrow? That was my next plug. You're damn right. You follow me on Instagram. Good work. Um, I did tell you you wrecked my question by recommending yeah, yeah. I mean, Rob, I, I saw this guy, Rob Alton, and I saw him there a few years ago, and it stole the show. He, he, he was, was doing a show in 2013 called The Sky Show, and it's just a tall, skinny dude talking about how much he likes the sky. And it was the best thing I saw. I stayed there the whole of August. Genuinely, it was fucking amazing. And I saw him this year, and he's got a show called The Sleep Show, and it's a tall, skinny dude talking about how much he likes sleep. And it was amazing. I genuinely cried. Like, genuinely. Look at the size of me and how hairy I am. And I, I wept in a basement in Edinburgh. Um, so, yeah, I recommend that. He's on at four o'clock every day in the Banshee Labyrinth. I also saw James A. Caster, who I love. He's been on the podcast. He was hilarious. He's, he's in one of the big venues because he's all successful and shit now. But he was wonderful. He wore a lot of brown. He was amusingly awkward that's kind of his thing so that's my reviews of the edinburgh fringe i hope you enjoyed them also on the way to the edinburgh fringe i've not mentioned this on any of the podcasts yet um i should actually apologize now for the people who are listening because every time i've talked to people in the crowd they're not able to hear that bit because i've not put a mic in front of you (laughs) so this podcast to, to the people who aren't in the room has been a bit weird so far it's been me going so you're going to have a plans at the fringe? Ah, <laughs> oh, I was going to say that. 
which is a really weird thing to hear on a podcast and disappointing. So, but on the way to the Fringe, I had the Manchester show. And I've mentioned this on the recording on Saturday night that, that Sam from Game of Thrones was there, which was sweet. And a wrestler called Jack Gallagher, who I'm a massive fan of, so that was super sweet. Yeah, damn right. But you know what else is sweet? I bought a bum bag. <laughs> a leather bum bag that matches my leather rucksack. How fucking cool am I bowling about town? I'm like, man about the country, bowling about, driving about, speaking to people, got my bum bag, got some pens in there for signing shit. Imagine if... No, I'm not even going to say that. Imagine if I was like that famous that I'm walking along the street and girls come up to me and ask me to sign their boobs, and then I'm like, hang on, and you hear a zip of my bum bag. (laughs) Could you sign these? I didn't, I didn't pick up on the mic. I put the mic to my zip and it didn't... It's an old bum bag. But yeah. <laughs> I'm super pleased with my bum bag is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, other things I wanted to tell you. There was a story that I was meant to tell on the drunk cast and I didn't. And then I was meant to tell it in Edinburgh and I didn't. And I was meant to tell it in London and I didn't. So I'm going to tell you guys. Yeah. I'm a dangerous loner. I spend a lot of time on my own. I'm working on stuff, so I spend a lot of time at home on my own at the moment. And every now and then I'm like, right, it's important to get out and get some fresh air. Um, I basically treat myself as a pet. Um, I'm like, you need to go and have a walk and get some fresh air, then have some water, and then go to the toilet. So every now and then, like this other week, it's been nice and, and sunny, so I'll look up somewhere nice near me that's going to be a bit secluded, and then I'll put on a tiny pair of short shorts. Yeah. And that's it. And then I head there and I bowl about with... It's one of the reasons I got my bum bag because I stick my phone like just in the shorts and against my bum cheek. And I listen to podcasts on the network because I've got a podcast network I have to listen to them all so it's a good way to listen to them. And then I just bowl about in my short shorts, no top. Oh, I do have... have obviously shoes on as well I'm not a I'm not a maniac um and I bowl about and I listen to podcasts so I was doing that the other the the other Wednesday and I'd found this park online that was near um a crematorium that I was familiar with so I was like I'll head there I entered the, the 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 thing in my sat nav and I crossed this bridge and the crematorium's there and it kind of said the crematorium was was where the park was which that can't be. You wouldn't put a nature reserve in a graveyard. That would be really weird. So I'm kind of turning around a bit, and then I find a little bit to turn around in. And I'm sitting there looking on my phone. And I've got the windows closed, but I've got my music up loud, because that's how I roll. And I'm looking on my phone to try and find this place, and then I look up and see that I've been sat there for a good minute as a funeral service is coming past... (laughs) I'm just in my short shorts. The short shorts aren't visible to the funeral service, so I could well be naked. And it just happened that on, sh- on Shuffle, Pony by Genuine had come on. No word of a lie, any of this. And it's blasting really loud as I look up and just start making eye contact as the funeral procession goes past. So yeah, that wasn't cool. But I then had a really nice walk. And got a little bit of sunburn down the middle. 
because I couldn't put lotion there. And that's the story I've been saving for like two weeks to, to tell someone. And that's how it went down. Um, anything else I need to let you know? I think that's everything. I've just noted <laughs> one of my notes is just topless funeral. And, and I've, cut, I've cut that and pasted it onto different nights for weeks now. I was like, oh, I didn't get around to doing topless funeral, so we'll get on to that now. Are you all ready and up for having a bit of a chat? Does that work? The way it's going to work, we're going to chat for about half an hour now. And then we're going to have an interval, so you can all get drinks and go to the toilet. And then we'll chat for about another 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how long you, you want to chat for. Then after that, I'm going to stay here, because this is a book launch as well. I've got a book out. It doesn't come out till next week, but you can have it tonight. Um, I say have, you can give me money for it tonight. Um, I'm going to remain on stage. So at the end, if you want to come up and get a book signed and have a photo and all sorts of things, then you just queue here and come up. And if you don't, then you just make your way out into town. It's fine. But that's why I'm telling you now, because in the interval, it could be good to get your books then, and then you've got your book, and you can just come straight up, get signed, and fuck off. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of the plan, if that's okay with everyone. Um, I'm going to sit down now. And then I'm going to ask for, actually, can we have a, a bit more light on the audience, just so I can see people if they put their hands up? Oh, too much. No, I'm kidding. Um, we've got a first person. Come up, sir. Would you like to come up? Is it a sir? Yeah. Yes, it is. Sorry, I couldn't. That wasn't a dig in any way. I only saw your ponytail after I'd asked that question. Hello, what is your name? Uh, I'm Matt. Hello. And what, what? You're what? Matt. Matt, Short sorry. Matthew. Yeah, no, no, I'm familiar with the abbreviation. Um... <laughs> What what would you like to discuss or ask? Well, first of all, I was at your, your Edinburgh show Saturday there. Oh, wicked. Yes, oh, thank you for um, coming along again. Oh, no problem. Well, you didn't um, come up and ask a question then, did, no, did you? No, no. Oh. Um, well, you've, you've said about the, the Glasgow show, we were already planning to go to it. And I was thinking all, all weekend, what the fuck can I ask you? And then I, we got your book and I read it. And then I realised you interviewed Alan Moore. So. Yes. <laughs> And, and I listened to that podcast before coming out. Yeah. I'm a huge Alan Moore fan, right? Yeah. Um, so I think my first question is, are you f- really familiar with Alan Moore's comic work? Yeah, I love him. Or Watchmen is, is one of my favourite books. I bought, before I did the podcast, I, I, I've got a copy of, of, of Watchmen a, a one, of the first comic of the collection, and I bought it ages ago. And when I got to know Alan a bit, I sent it to him asking if he could sign it, aware that he doesn't really sign a Watchman stuff and a few other bits because, so Alan Moore, oh man, and listen to how that name sounds in an Essex accent, Alan Moore. Now you say it. Alan Moore. So much better. <laughs> Isn't that so much better? God, I hate being from Essex sometimes. So Alan Moore is a, is a comic book creator and has created some of the best comics of all time. But... He's been going a long time, and he's fallen out with some. He's he's or he's he's Watchman. He didn't like the film. Oh, he thing. really hated. The he hated the extraordinary film. gentleman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he's not liked the way a lot of his work has been sold on or interpreted. So there's a lot of work he's walked away from and distanced himself from. But the Watchman is one of the best comics of all time. It's absolutely amazing. It was the first and probably still only comic to get into um, Time Magazine's top hundred novels. And just novels, not graphic novels, not anything. It's just, it's, it was in their top 100 or top 1,000 or, or something. But, yeah, so I sent him, I sent him my, my copy of Watchmen. And, Alan, you can't, you can't text or email, Alan. 
he doesn't have any of that. He's yeah, got a landline, yeah. and that's it. Um, so I had emailed with his daughter, who's got a tattoo of, of one of my lyrics, um, and I'd emailed to, to get the details. In fact, I ended up getting the details of, of, of Robin Ince, and he said, Alan has said, call him on Tuesday. He's having a bath around six, so call him any time after seven. And, mate, I felt like a kid, like like calling a girl you fancy. It took it right back to my school days of before texts and that, where you've got a ring and then, oh, is their dad going to answer? Except in this case, I kind of want their dad to answer. That's who I'm ringing for. Um, and then he answered the phone and we had a chat and all this and, 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 and we got on and, and set up the podcast. But yeah, I, I sent him my copy of, of Watchman One and he just, just, I sent it back and it just said, too scroobious your friend, Alan Moore. And I was like, Alan Moore's my friend. How, <laughs> how fucking brilliant is life. And he is. Like, we've done a few different things together now. I, I went up, he lives in Northampton, and he invited me up um, to come and just chat with him on stage at a, a thing at a local kind of college that was all about counterculture. And if there is counterculture anymore, and when counterculture, when that scale tips, because counterculture can only come a certain way, and then it becomes the culture, and the counterculture becomes... The other thing is, a, yeah, it was a good conversation. He did a better job at getting <laughs> coherence and sentences out of me. But, Look but at yeah, that. I'm twice as jealous as this guy already. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's amazing. So yeah, it was great to chat with Alan Moore. I'm a big, big fan of his work. I'm not an expert on all of it. You know, he's he's done an awful lot. I get through as much as I can. But yeah, well, I won't bore you with the details of what he's done there. But um, go ahead. So I'll lead on to my second question before I completely break down my nerves here. But, uh, yeah, then go ahead. So you've interviewed a lot of people, well, I've just said like comedians and such, but would you, you're in Scotland now, so would you ever consider interviewing someone like either Frankie Boyle or Billy Connolly? Would they interest you for a podcast interview? Frankie is lined up. Oh, we're gonna be talking, there we go. <laughs> we were going to be talking before I came on this tour, but he was, he's busy, he gets He's down in London for a little bit in August, and then we're going to be chatting in September. So yeah, so Frankie's I lined up, and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very excited to, God, to talk to Frankie. Though. So yeah, <laughs> that'll be I'd imagine hopefully as soon as as mid September. In fact, it'd be nice if I can get it in time so I can go I can go back to back a Limmy and, and Frankie because Limmy then Frankie Boyle, then it's like I'm basically Scottish then. So. <laughs> I'll be so over. So yeah, that's that's on the cards. Uh, awesome. Billy Connolly, I'm not overly knowledgeable on. It's it's weird with the podcast because people ask me or request a lot of people and they're just chats. I'm not a professional interviewer or anything like that. They're just chats. So like I had someone recently, there's a, a golfer called Beef, apparently. <laughs> See? Um, <laughs> and he seems amazing and he's into my music and a few people said oh like you should get him on the podcast and it's tough because I don't know much about golf so I'm, I'm getting closer with him because he's becoming interesting and there's this it's unusual for such a character in golf and he's he's this underdog but in general I will often say I'm not that up for a certain person because I don't feel I'm the right person to get a, a good interview out of them yeah. it's never an insult to their to who they are or anything else it's more right I don't know enough about you to because they're 60 to 90 minutes long. It's like, I don't know enough to do a good 60 to 90 minutes yeah. a, a, a with you. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm picky on who I get at times. Awesome. Hope that answers your questions. That answered it perfectly. Well, thank, thank you. you very much, Matt. Cheers. Oh, Thanks for coming along. Yeah, who else would like, who would like to come next? This young lady here. 
This is exciting. This is, of all the live ones, this is the earliest a lady has been willing to sit next to me. <laughs> it's become an ongoing joke that, I mean, I look a bit weird and creepy and intimidating, but we're generally, there's generally over, there's generally over 100 witnesses in the room, and still it takes about 10 people before a, a, a woman's a, happy to join me. So thank you for breaking that trend. What is your name? My name is Marie. And what would you like to ask or discuss? There's a couple of things, um, but I'm a bit sad when you mentioned Suicide Squad and people are like, yeah, Harley's butt! You really can't see anything up here. It's like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, that's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Bruno and I it's so fun to come up. Um, but I find that a bit sad because for me, loved Harley when she was introduced in the, car- the Batman yeah. series cartoons when I was younger. And that's why I really looked forward to seeing it. But what shocked me a bit, and sorry, I apologise in advance if this is spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen it yet, but I was a wee bit shocked by the portrayal of um, the origin with Joker and Harley because I'd kind of seen the softer side of it. Yeah. So I wondered if you thought that Joker actually does love Harley or if he just toys with her because she's so into him because he tortures her and everything. I, I just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough, because, and again, I think the reason a Suicide Squad, as I said, it felt like I was being told about a film rather than watching a film, was exactly that. Was I've been saying for years, I'm sick of origin stories in superhero films, but when you're introducing seven characters, you kind of have to, and it meant that all things like that stuff... Characters like, or the relationship between Harley and Joker that's huge over years and years and different interpretations, that had to be kind of summed up in a flashback, in like a, a, a less than, than five minutes flashback. And even more, the initial introduction of everyone, and this isn't a spoiler because it's like the first scene, but the initial introduction of everyone is them going over the files and going, so this is Harley Quinn, she's this. And it was like, it's, it's literally like, they're like, well, we've not got time to actually make a film about this, so we're just going to... And that, that happens a few times. It seems when they pause and go, right, so basically just imagine they've gone here <laughs> and then we'll continue there. And, or this, this one's really bad and it's like her brother. So go. Action. I know, and it really was lacking in a lot of backstory and it was almost like they really were on, put on the back foot by Batman and Superman because he tried to cram so damn much and unless you'd watched Arrow and unless you'd watched The Flash, I don't know about anyone else, but I couldn't follow half of it. They're, they're, they're put on the back foot by putting themselves on the back foot. Now, <laughs> they're put on the back foot by trying to catch up with Marvel. Um, Marvel seemed to have woven this universe where all the series interweave. Everything's got backstories. A Suicide Squad, characters-wise is the same as the Avengers. And the Avengers, each character in it, had at least one of their own standalone films before that. And in fact, Avengers came something like seven years after the first one of the Iron Man or whichever it was. So yeah, it's felt constantly like DC are just trying to play catch-up. Arrow and, and The Flash, they're not, they're not relevant to the films because they're, they're redoing them. So they're not like using <laughs> no, no. It's it's really interesting. They're, they're recasting them. It's completely new um, actors, completely new characters, essentially. But again, they're doing a similar thing. Of they're just going to bring them all in at once and go. So this is the Flash, 
and this is this guy's like a sexy merman and oh he's Cal Drogo I don't care how many times they say it's Aquaman that's Cal Drogo <laughs> either way he's a gorgeous human oh, right so I'm isn't he? And, and again, I hope that I genuinely, I hope that's a similar effect. I hope a lot of people go and see the Justice League because they've nailed it on that dude's look as they did with Harley Quinn. It shouldn't yeah. just no, be no only works when there's a sexy girl. It should be when there's a sexy human, <laughs> then you get good box office. <laughs> kind of, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's, it's, it's shallow and horrible, but, but at least it's not sexist. But what do you, do you think? <laughs> it's sexy. <laughs> Well, I think, see, that's the thing. That's what bugs me when people say equality. Because if we're seeing lots of um, Harley, you know, when she's getting changed and she yeah. plays dumb, she's like, what? Because obviously they're looking at you because you're pulling your top on, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why is there not the, the same with the amount of guys? Why don't you see more manholes in music videos and things like that? To me, that's um, equality. If you want to see the naked women, why can't we see the naked men? I'm on for it. I'm telling you, I'm down. No, but I mean, I mean that was my point because I did think that, but then you did, as said, I don't think... I think that was the main scene that Harley was actively sexualized, like rather than us pushing our own se- sexualization on her, like just just because it's an attractive girl. That regardless of what she's doing, I don't think she did that much that was that sexy, and that was kind of for a joke. But then we had Gerard Leto inexplicably topless an awful lot. The Joker isn't really a topless kind of guy. That's not how the Joker is as a character. He's not like just going to get my guns out. He's literally going to get his guns out. <laughs> Um, and, and, and again, like a Will Smith, topless at the start, looking good, generally a good looking dude, right? He should have had a mask on the whole time. So, again, I think. My brother that, said I, the exact I, same thing. It, it, I'm fine with them making tweaks. I think, as I said, I didn't, I didn't watch it analytically enough to say if it was sexist or not. I felt there was kind of enough balance in that respect. Again, I guess you have to look at the costume side of it to argue differently because I said Harvey's costume is sexier than any of the guys' costumes. I read in an interview that she said um, the villains always get the most awkward clothes to wear because yeah. she was talking to Empire about it and she was like, it was along the lines of I apologise in advance to any parents where I'm now the worst person to look up to to, yeah. <laughs> to dress like. But she's meant to be. And that was the one thing that actually annoyed me about the whole thing is that none of them seemed that horrible. Particularly Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith played a, a superhero in that film. He's, he's, the character is a supervillain, but he played a superhero. And they try to use... Oh, spoiler alert. They, they try to use his daughter to yep. kind of demonise him a bit. Yep, yep, yep. But you just... Because they give you all the backstory... Well, they give you a bit of backstory, you kind of tend to sympathise with them all. Yeah. But that's... He's got an adorable face as well. <laughs> Do you want to stroke Will Smith? Yeah. Who, who wouldn't? Oh. Um... <laughs> But do you do you think that Joker actually does love Harley, or do you think he just toys with her? Because there's the bits where he's like, hmm, and then he's like, off oh, that, you know. And he, he... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to to say. Is it again? We didn't get enough of anyone to know anything like that. Do but you know from, what I mean? But from the, from the comic books, or but from, from what from your knowledge of the Joker, because I kind of right. felt a bit taken aback by that, seeing that in the film. I'm like, am I? a fan of someone who's domestically abused or is it someone who's just so in love with this guy? Um, I don't think... I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that. I was going to say I don't think the Joker loves Harley because I think that's... He's meant... I, I don't like imagining one of the greatest villains of all time 
having such an obvious weakness as love. If you know, I mean, I, exactly. I'd, I'd rather he didn't. I'd rather he's just cold and, and heartless. Thank you for that single applause from that, <laughs> that cold, dead, heartless man at the back. <laughs> Ladies, be careful on your way home. Um, <laughs> it's a dangerous night. I suppose that kind of answers my question, though, because, you know, he... he, he he tries to distance himself as much as he can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask yes. you about was, you love wrestling, you love MMA. I do. And, by the way, I hope you know about our own Jojo. Yeah, of course I love Jojo. Jojo and she's Hell smashing yeah. it now. Yeah. Um, and she was greeting and everything when she won the other year when, oh God, what's it called? When UFC was finally here and I was in the Hydro and it was an amazing day. I was there was, as well. It was absolutely amazing. Oh my God. The amount I of people, it. see the amount of people that didn't turn up for the prelim fights. Yeah. And two of the guys had knockouts within the first two minutes. Amazing. Right. Don't even, so, don't even, seriously. The, don't even miss. See the amount of people who didn't turn up for the main event because they were there for JoJo, and I'm I'm down with that. Like, like, like it qu- it emptied out by the time it was was Bisping and uh, really and what's his name? Yeah, yeah, it thinned out. Wow, that I, happens I just though. Think you but pay, I mean, it's it's you, the, all these people they put so much hard work and dedication and watching um, like the Ultimate Fighter where they cut. Yeah. They're on a bike in a sauna to yeah, cut weight, and I'm just it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not pleasant, I'd imagine. I've never been on a bike in a sauna. <laughs> I tell you that. I never plan on being either. Um, it's interesting with MMA, because I'm not sure if all of you are aware, but I'm, like, super famous and shit. So <laughs> so the UFC hooked me up with really you know good Joe seats. Rogan. Yeah, I know Joe Rogan, you know, but and Chris Jericho. Um, but... <laughs> But the UFC hooked me up with really good seats, and me and my mate Stu normally go, who's on the drunk casts a lot, and it's fucking brilliant, because particularly in the VIP section, no one is there for ages. Like, everyone's there just in the bar getting drunk and eating, because they don't, don't, don't give a shit. And me and Stu are the only people there for the first prelim. <laughs> we don't get drinks, because we don't want to miss anything, so we just, just, just sat there with no drinks just watching for fucking hours and it's brilliant but it's great because we have all this space because generally all the famous people who are going are just going because they've been invited do you want to come to see some people punch each other we'll give you free drinks it's like, oh, right. it's the wrestling and the technique and there's so much so much more to it I love it but on, on, on the Jojo topic yeah it's amazing to see her she's, she's representing Scotland beautifully she had some, some, some struggles along her way after getting into the UFC, but she was going through a lot of personal shit, and she seems to be with a great camp now, uh, have a, uh, her head f- focused, and, sh- and in her last fight, she looked the best, the best she's ever looked, so can't wait to see what's ahead. And the other thing, sorry for taking so much time, um, right. the other thing I wanted to say was, have you heard of ICW? Yes, of course I've heard of ICW. <laughs> right, you're going to get Dallas on, you're going to get the rest of the guys on and chat away to them well we will have to see I've, I've, I've never caught an ICW show from what I've seen it's what the I've seen has been really good go for the chance alone I've heard good things so hopefully oh. I'll catch them at some point and uh, yeah seriously amazing amazing night out the banter's cracking Stephen I'm not kidding seriously if you're not a wrestling fan because the first time I went I went I'm the same with Progress and, 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 and Progress is a, is a great company in London in and it's, it's a yeah. similar thing where me and my mate Chris went because we were invited and we were like, eh, it's going to be kind of s- silly. And just the chance of the crowd and if it were just hilarious, it's just the best night out. So I recommend you go to an ICW show at the next available opportunity. But thank you very much. Dallas will be happy you've plugged ICW Excellent. as well. <laughs> nice Cheers. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Who's, who's next? This lady here at the front. 
I will pick people at the back in the second half because at the moment I'm just really being lazy here. Going, anyone in the front row? What is your name? Um, my name's Cara. And how were your chips? Oh, terrible. <laughs> they, they looked it. I saw, I saw your Instagram post earlier, see. Apparently they got some really bad chips, and, but they were here nice and early, so fair play. <laughs> Where were the bad it chips just, from? We've, we've plugged an event. Let's let shit on a chip shop. <laughs> Where were the shit chips from? Uh, it was next door, actually. It's like 24-7 chippy or something like that. I it was called. thought you were going to say it was, was something to do with the venue. No, was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Should have asked that before, but that, okay. So don't go to the twenty four seven chip no, shop. I got chips next and door. cheese and curry sauce, and they melted the cheese, and it was all plasticky, and it was just don't oh, go. <laughs> come on, that's outrageous. Um, what, what would you like to ask or discuss? Uh, I'll keep it quite short and simple. It was just what's your favourite art piece and why? Um, my favourite art piece and why, man? That's a great question. Um, I've got I've got some art in my house. And this isn't, you know, there's, there's so much amazing art. Um, my brother really knows a lot about art and he takes me to different galleries and tells me stuff. I'm like an excited child. I'm, I'm basically a school kid and he's, he's, he's the over, over, I, I don't know, he's a teacher. I don't know where I'm going with this. It started to get creepy. I didn't want it to be uncomfortable. Um, but in my house, I've got art by two different people who I'm big fans of, who are, are modern artists at the moment and one of them designs a lot of my artwork, but it's a guy called Mr. Heggy. And yeah, he's absolutely amazing. Um, did he do that Dolan shirt? Is that the skull beard? Yep. yep, he designed that shirt there. Um, he did these postcards and I got him to make them into full size so I could have these big framed ones. So the the landing at my house is a little art gallery. I got them f- in gold frames so it looks all fancy and I painted the walls dark so it looks all like an art gallery. I'm weird. I don't leave the house much, so I like to pretend <laughs> I'm in different places. Um, um, and it's basically, he's taken some of the classic paintings of women, so there's, there's, there's the Mona Lisa, and numerous other ones, just he's picked four cl- classic r- r- Renaissance, I think there's a pre-Raphaelite one in there, and he's just put the Playboy uh, font above them just saying Playboy and done them to look like front covers of Playboy but I think it's absolutely beautiful because it's showing the women that people would go and look at and, and, and wonder over and, and be in awe of their beauty and the amazingness because it was before photography and all this but it's saying well you know these days it's just some girl with her boobs out then it was these amazing paintings that are beautifully done so I've got them I've got a little gallery of Playboy in my <laughs> in my house um, but there's another guy called Riker who makes um, statues and stuff and I became a fan of him when I saw he did he made a stormtrooper on a crucifix um, and I've got one of them in my house he's also made a gold Buddha statue that is actually Biggie Smalls <laughs> so he's got Biggie Smalls just, just with his belly out and shades on and cap on um, yeah, he's done just a lot of awesome stuff. I'm, I'm trying to think of the other ones I've got. He's, he did a World Cup, so exact size replica of the World Cup, except the ball on top is a smiley face, and it just looks, it looks really good. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of his stuff. He's just, yeah, he does a lot of art toys. In fact, he made the Scroobius Pip art toy. That's like we collaborated on it. Um, so, yeah, I'd say a, a Riker and Heggie are my favourite artists. It's too hard to pick a particular favourite piece, I guess. Um, I got really into... T- to Basquat 
for a while and was just really into a lot of his work but again I couldn't pick an individual piece so yeah there's some artists that I like oh, thank you very much I've actually brought an art piece I did myself for you to sign later on oh so. wicked yeah. oh thank you no I think you for bringing along and what's your name and where can people find your art um, just Cara Rose McLean on Facebook it's with a K <laughs> perfect oh, well thank, thank you very much thank cheers much. <laughs> who who would like to go next we've got two I'm going to go for this guy and then if we've got time, we'll squeeze you in. But then there was another person back there, right? They can be the first in the second half. It's always good to have a first. Hello, sir. What is your name? What would you like to discuss? Hi, my name's Paul. Hello, Paul. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, a few years ago, you'd posted a picture on, I think it was Twitter. Uh, yeah. You were in LA, and you were with uh, Travis Barker, Wes Borland, and, and a few people, kind of suggesting that you guys were working on some music. Yeah. I was just to ask, has that ever come to anything? Is that something that's going to progress? Or? Well, it's definitely... Oh, one of my favourite photos ever. <laughs> Me, Travis Barker, Wes Borland and Danny Lonna from Nine Inch Nails and numerous other things, just kicking it. Um, yeah, what we were doing then was recording... We were recording Travis doing some drums for my next solo record. Um, it was at Travis's studio. He, he, he did the drums on Introduction when we'd never met, which was weird. And then... He was into it and he said, look, if you want some drums, let's do it. Um, hopefully it'll come to something at some point. It's just when you are working with people like that, they're also really big and really busy with, with their own shit. And I've been going off and doing tons of other stuff. So I think Wes is one of the most underrated musicians about. I think he's absolutely amazing and his side projects are amazing. He's just insanely talented. Danny Lona produced Introduction. I wouldn't have met Travis or anyone else if it weren't for Danny and Travis Barker's Travis fucking Barker isn't he so um, absolutely amazing and just to tell stories of Travis the nicest dude I've ever ever met I think the, that day in that studio was the first time I'd met him face to face he let us use his studio he drummed for well over an hour um, and the way we did it we because we're using it like we, we wanted the starting blocks the building blocks, essentially. So the way we did it was I picked a load of songs I really like, the kind of vibe of, and then we played them to him and said, look, put these in your headphones, play anything other than the beat that is already on this. So he was playing along to stuff, but not playing along to stuff. So it was changing the beats. And we got some amazing stuff. Um, And yeah, he drummed for several hours. As I left, he gave me a bag full of his clothing uh, label clothes, by the time I get back to my hotel, I didn't have 3G and 4G out there because I'm cheap as fuck. So <laughs> by the time I got back on my Wi-Fi, I had a message from him saying, these are probably building blocks. If you need anything else, if you need me to replay anything or redo anything, just let me know. And it's like, dude, you're, one, you're probably the most successful drummer of all time. I guess Dave Grohl, but Dave Grohl doesn't only drum. Yeah, so the absolutely nicest dude around. So yeah, that will come to something, hopefully. I don't know if I'd ever get to be able to make them play in my live band. <laughs> I don't think me doing my size venues with three of the most successful musicians <laughs> of recent years would work, but maybe. So yeah, hopefully that'll come to something, but I need to get off my fucking ass and write some stuff and stop touring around towns pretending that talking to people is a show. <laughs> uh, awesome, just one, one more thing, I guess, while I'm up. Um, obviously you've Taken up acting recently? Yes. Uh, Bastard ex- Executioners, can I just... Just, just started, kind of yeah. Uh, what, how, how is that going? What's the kind of next 
plans for Mate, for I'm loving it. Um, I mentioned this on probably the Edinburgh one, which isn't out yet, but I started acting last year, and I've had three gigs, um, and one is a film for Warner Brothers, which is huge. One is a TV show for for Fox called The Bastard Executioner, which has aired in America and is just starting to air over here. And one is a TV show called Taboo, which is for the BBC and Fox. In fact, I'll switch it up a little bit now. I've I'd listed on previous ones all the people I've worked with. Let's just go through Taboo. So imagine me getting an email asking me to audition for this and, and looking it up on IMDb. It's produced by Ridley Scott. <laughs> That's the starting point. I'm like, all right. All right. He knows. He probably knows what he's doing. It's written by Stephen Knight, who wrote Peaky Blinders and Locke and numerous other things. It's like, all right. <sighs> Let me check what the cast is like before I commit to this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? This sounds like some chances at this stage. Do they not know I can pull, you know... Over 200 people on a Monday night in Glasgow. <laughs> um, so it's starring Tom Hardy, S- Stephen Graham, um, Tom Hollander. Just, just, just a, a list of just amazing, legendary people. And as it turns out, little old Scroobius Pip. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, thank you. But yeah, so kind of how's, how's it, it going? It's going better than anyone could dream for their first year of doing it. But I'm still aware that I'm, I'm learning. I just happen to be learning from Tom Hardy and Stephen Graham <laughs> and people like that. Like I Literally, Tom and Stevie both took me under their wings so much on set. And they noticed that well, even when I wasn't in a scene, I was kind of lingering about and watching because I'm trying to learn. Um, and they both would take me aside and give me advice or help me through scenes. I've got so many pictures on my phone, which I can't show any of you yet, <laughs> of just me, Tom and Stevie just hanging out. Tom really likes taking selfies, turns out. He's massively into it. So he'd keep taking pictures of me, him and, and Stevie, and then he'd message them to me at the end of the day. And I'm just like, I can't show these to anyone, but I'm so excited. Um, so keep an eye on my Instagram when Taboo starts to come out because I'm going to post the fuck out of all of them. It's going to be brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's going great. I'm, 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 I'm grateful of what I've had so far. I'm prepared if that's the end of my acting career. I don't think it is and I hope it's not. But if it is, what a fucking acting career. <laughs> that's kind of three for three. Um, but yeah, I'm auditioning f- for bits. I'm talking to people about bits. I'm hoping to keep doing this. But equally, I'm hoping to write as well. And, and you know, I've, I've directed all the music videos i'd love one day the first director i ever worked with the first person to ever direct me was guy ritchie (laughs) so it's mental so you know i I love the idea of going in that direction at some point as well it's basically finding a lot of things that makes me not have to go through the awkwardness of being a 50 year old rapper (laughs) on stage every night in my cap and my high tops um so yeah, it's, it's looking at all these other options. So yeah, it's exciting. That's awesome, thank you. Thank uh, you. Just as you're saying about uh, directing our videos, just want to say I love the video for You Will See Me. Oh, thank this, you. Like, the song is tremendous. Cheers, man. Thank you very much. That was, um, that was a hell of a long day. That was a hell of a long day. Um, I had to learn half of the song backwards so we could backwards lip sync it. And not all of that worked. So we also had to then 
film me saying it forwards, watch it backwards, and then write what it looks like I'm saying. <laughs> so I could then say, like, cow them bean. <laughs> and then when we rewind it, it would hopefully sync up and it kind of did and it kind of worked and yeah it almost killed me because it was a fucking hard intense a few days building up to it and doing it but yeah thank you very much thank you cheers man let's 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 squeeze we're going to have this one more come on up and then we're going to have a little interval and we'll keep the interval as short as we can really if that's all right with you guys because I want to talk to as many of you as possible but there's curfews and stuff Hello, what's your Hi, name? I'm Shona. And what would you like to discuss or ask? Uh, okay, well, your last guest kind of shit over everything I was going to say, so I'm trying to think of something else. What I was going to frame it differently, though, like I'm wearing a Saul Williams t-shirt. Excellent. I was going to favourably compare you to Saul Williams with the kind of Damn, changing yeah. genres and doing different yeah. things and how that was working out for you. We know now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, going, it's going fucking awesome, guys. So great. Yep. Killing yep. it. So um, let's talk about UFC instead we've yes. kind of already covered that always up for talking about UFC <laughs> um, I actually train at the same gym as Jojo oh wicked yeah. good work uh, I'm not very good but I go I'm enthusiastic no that's great though um. <laughs> and you'll know how much her, her, her mindset is just it's great to see her on top again because mm. she went through some rough times where it was all a bit she of a, a question and all a bit a bit hazy so yeah, yeah, it's no, great. She's, yeah, she's doing really well now. Um, she's smashing it. And it's great to see as well. It was, it was great to have, have the UFC in, in Scotland and see that amazing yeah. turnout, the amazing crowd and the, and, and the general pride. So, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, so I wanted to ask about the kind of wrestling UFC crossover that's yeah. happening right now. Your kind of Brock Lesnar type yeah. matches and the CM Punk matches coming up. What do you think of that? I mean, I need to firstly say they're completely incomparable. Um, purely because and again I'm, I'm up for all of them but purely because Brock is one of the most decorated actual wrestlers that's ever competed in the UFC He's, he was a huge college and amateur wrestler it's weird that there's amateur wrestling which is real and then there's professional wrestling which isn't real <laughs> yeah, but, yeah 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 no I love I'm the biggest wrestling fan so there like is. Levels of baby oil or something? I love it. Yeah, it must be. It must be something. But again, it's a weird one. But Brock, basically what I'm saying is Brock has had a huge history and career in, in, in combat sports. Um, CM Punk hasn't. Equally, I don't like getting annoyed about stuff that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> There's far too much stuff that has happened to fill my time to get annoyed about than getting stressed over something that hasn't happened yet. I'm excited for CM Punk's... Um, debut he's been training for over two years he's been he's been training a brazilian jiu-jitsu for years he's been a gracie uh, jiu-jitsu guy for a long time mm. so i'm hyped to, to see what happens and i don't think it's unfair a, a, a lot of people for those who don't know a guy from wwf has come over to the ufc he's never had a single fight in his life and he's getting to debut on the main card and a lot of people saying that's unfair i don't think it's unfair he will pull He's earned it. He will pull a lot of eyes to that card. But do you think that's where the um, the focus is now? No. If he was headlining, I'd say yes. He's not. Okay. He's mid-card. Um, he will pull a, a lot of eyes to a lot of fighters who need those eyes on them. So I think it's win-win. I think it's, it's bringing a, a load of exposure. The great thing this last week has been, and in the, in the last couple of days, in fact, 
Conor McGregor has pissed off all the wrestlers in the WWE <laughs> and all wrestlers in general because he said, I would slap, their f- slap the face off all of them or something like that. And yeah, get through Nate Diaz first, then we'll talk about that. Yeah, he needs to. But again, it's been beautiful seeing the wrestlers and the wrestling fans get furious and like real hardcore wrestling fans who don't seem to understand how heels and babyface work. <laughs> The heel is meant to say shit that will make you react and get you angry, but get you talking. That's what Connor's just done. And you're all going, fuck this guy, he doesn't respect wrestling. (laughs) Seems to be respecting wrestling more than anyone because he's playing the game. He's just brought so much attention. There's going to be so many people watching Connor v. Nate, wanting Connor to get knocked out because they hate him. That's the point of wrestling. That's why you have a heel champ for a long time. The heels are the bad guys, for anyone who's... I'm speaking in this cool jargon. Um, (laughs) You have a heel champ for a long time because people will keep tuning in to watch them get beat because you want to see them get beat. You're like, oh, fuck, I want to see them lose. And they keep winning, so you'll tune in next time. Whereas if you've got your champ, who you love and is undefeatable, you kind of... You'll watch, but you could just look the next day and things like that. It's kind of... You get more more heat from... uh, from the from the person you want to lose. Well, I think that's that what's happening sense. with all the rematches, though, as well. Like yeah. people want to tune in because they want to see a different result from that from last. Yeah, time. and I don't know how kind of real that feels anymore. Yeah, it's tough. It's it was interesting hearing Nate Diaz say that he doesn't care about the belts anymore and the belts don't mean mm-hmm. anything. And it's kind of true. The big money fights aren't necessarily for the belts; they're for the characters. And that is what it is. I, I, I still feel I tune into a UFC event and watch from the first prelim yeah, to the cool. main event. So if there's someone on that card somewhere who's bringing extra eyes to it, that's, that's always a good thing to me. I don't care. It grates a little bit if the, if the headline fight isn't a title fight and there's a title fight below it. Then that's not really right. But yeah. then they don't, they don't really do that. On, on UFC 200, they move... Amisha to the top. This is boring the fuck out of everyone who's not into into UFC. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of all right with that that crossover. I would the UFC were allowed to have Brock Lesnar, a guy who's under contract with the WWE, fight at UFC 200. Right? You'd imagine there's some kind of deal that someone will go and do some kind of appearance at the WWE. Yep. Isn't it weird that Connor's suddenly calling out the WWE and all wrestling fans hate him now? <laughs> It kind of feels like we, yeah. Or Ronda's done it before, yeah. But again, it it just feels like oh, this, totally this feels like the like... easiest game in the world, and we're all jumping in on it. I'm happily jumping in, and I'm like, yeah. But imagine what will happen now if Connor is announced yeah. somewhere or comes out somewhere. The booze, the hatred, it's perfect. Yeah. And then someone pretends to beat him up, and we're all golden. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to explain what's going to happen now. We're going to have a quick little break. I'm going to run to the toilet. We'll try and keep it at 10, 10, 15 a minutes if that's all right. If you want to buy a book now, that could be good because then you'll be first to get it signed at the end. Get drinks, get toilet done and all that. And we'll see you in a minute. Cheers. I know, I know there's still a few people like getting drinks and that, but that's all right. You can just get them. I don't mind you having a being at the bar um, I wanted to like we were going to leave it another 10 minutes but I wanted to just talk to as many of you as possible if that's alright so we'll start now um, who would like to like, add someone here didn't know who was left to answer a question yeah that one that was uh, yeah you had your hand up before right even if you didn't let's just let's not argue over when you, you first put your hand up come on up 
What is your name and what would you like to discuss or ask? Uh, my name's Danny and um, I want to ask you, uh, it was kind of treading on the sh- um, toes of uh, one of the people that was previous up here, yeah. but you uh, wanted to go into acting and stuff and I wanted to ask, uh, is there any particular role that you would like, if a producer came along and was like, you can have whatever role you like, is there like oh, a, uh, a famous film character you'd like to play or... Um, a character from a book or a graphic novel or a true life person that you'd like to portray in film for? I mean there's, there's loads basically anything in comic books I'd die to be involved in I mentioned this on Edinburgh so, so people who are listening to these on the podcast will already know this but I can say it again right? It's fine um, there's a comic book that I really I like, as soon as I read it I, I did a tweet or something saying if anyone's ever converting this I'm all over it, in fact actually The Boys is another one that's hopefully getting a series soon I'd kill to be anything in that. It was a weird noise, wasn't it? Um, there's, there's a comic book that just... Or a character that kind of got rebooted recently with his own series called The Midnighter. Have you read any of The Midnighter? I'm not familiar with um, The Midnighter. He's really good, and he looks really cool. He wears, like, a black mask, and he beats the fuck out of people. Like, he's quite violent. And his power is... His, his brain is, like, the most powerful computer so he could just analyze everything so if he's in a fight he can analyze every potential move you could make in a heartbeat and then defeat you and if there's a like the baddie and their evil plan he will have been able to look at every probable outcome and things like that but also he's openly and pretty much violently gay um and it's just glorious um and it just, it, for some reason, the simplicity of that just makes it a really interesting a character because it's not really anywhere. Um, he's got this thing where he can open a door and jump through to any place in the world. So he's knocking about the country's fucking dudes all over the place. Um, and it's, it's amazing. I think that's, 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 that sounds also... I mean, the story sound not... Not knocking about the country fucking dudes all over the place. That's, that's not for me personally. Um, but yeah, I, a character like that really excites me. And I think we're at a time where there's two things happening at the moment. There's a massive... It's a huge time for Marvel and DC in the cinemas and on TV. Which means it's a bit more of a quiet time for them in comic books. Which has allowed Image and all these other indies to take over. And they're actually absolutely smashing it. And the beautiful part there is things like Daredevil and stuff on Netflix and Preacher and stuff like that on Amazon have started to open the door to darker and weirder stories, which means that all these ones over on these smaller independents can potentially get these great opportunities in the future. So there's tons of good stuff to come. I love uh, The Wicked and Divine as well as a really good comic, and that's meant to be in a TV series, so I'm all over that. I've had the two creators of that on the podcast, and... They have not asked me to play anything yet, so <laughs> if anyone wants to hassle Jamie McKelvey <laughs> and Hayden Gill and then feel free. But yeah, I'd love anything like that. It's comic book stuff, really. E- equally, like a, a, a thing I'm kind of up for at the moment that I can't go into a lot of detail. It's a small independent film, but it's just a dude who works in an old, old people's home. And the character has really excited me because I love the idea of doing a film where I'm spending like six months filming it and it's just me and a load of just old people <laughs> that sounds like a right laugh that sounds like genuinely sounds a really like good time to spend uh, like half a year or something just knocking about with old people oh yeah I'd love that would you ever write a comic book um, I'd like to um, 
I had an idea once. The truth is, I don't know how to write a comic book. Like, how do you write a comic book? You're asking me. Exactly. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's, sure. it's, you think about it, it's weird. But um, so I've spoken to a few people about it, and Warren Ellis, who have had him on the podcast, who created some of the best comics of all time and has had some of the best runs on DC and Marvel. He sent me a load of a few of his comic scripts and a few scripts of other just some classic comics. So if I ever do get my ass in gear and start to write something, I've got these amazing references to work from. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. But, yeah, we can all... I think we can all agree I probably didn't do too much at the moment as it is. <laughs> so I do want to, but it's a case of if that comes before the novel I've almost finished, before the three scripts that I've got in my head but need to write on paper, or the two acting roles I'm up for, the album that everyone's hassling me to release, which I just haven't got around to doing anything on. So yeah, it all just when it slots in. But fucking life is painfully long. So I reckon, <laughs> I reckon there's time for all of it. So watch this space. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, man. Who, who would like... Can I, can I get some light at the back and see if anyone further back wants to ask? There's some people right at the back with their arms up. Um, I'm going to go for the dude first, who's got his hand up still. Everyone else has put their hand down around you. Yeah, you, like, you're the only, you've got a public enemy jumper on. Come on, come on up. Again, it might not be a dude, it's far away. No, it is a dude. <laughs> I thought that's why you didn't respond at first. I was like, the dude, and there's some girl like, excuse me. <laughs> um, and then afterwards, there was two girls right at the back that seem to have their hand up. Yeah, that girl there. So you'll be next, and then I'll go back to people I can actually see. So you'll be next. Hello, sir. What is your name? What would you like to discuss? How you doing, man? I'm Andy. Hello, Andy. Uh, got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Um, first of all, what did you think of Daredevil? I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I was worried that Series 2 wouldn't live up to it. Series 1, I watched in roughly two days when... I'd gone through some not good shit and I thought I might never leave my bed again and I need to use this time well. Um, I'd been ill as well, so I wasn't that up for masturbating. Um, so, so I watched the entirety of Daredevil in like two days and I loved it and I thought Series 2 might not live up and it started slowish and then fucking amazing, Frank Castle... What a dude, absolutely nailed. So yeah, I loved it. It was quality. Um, second question would be, how would you describe your politics? My politics, I would describe my politics as personal. Um, no, I'll, 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 ex- I'll explain that a little more. I think we do in this world kind of, it's something that I've had to come to realise in, in recent years. And um, I'm quite private about my politics these days because I realise that I've been on a journey throughout my life to get to what I believe, and that's what's right for, for me. I've, been, I've gone door to door with Billy Bragg to get people out to vote to, to get UKIP out of Barking, and it succeeded. I've been on marches. I've, I've written songs that are used on marches. I've had periods as a teen where I didn't vote because I didn't really give a shit. I've been active. I've been inactive to get to the point where I am today. Now, the problem is, the point where I am today can have influence on people and I believe the point where I am today is my journey and, and, and my point. I don't generally talk about my politics particularly because other people need to make their journey. Like, I completely get 
that a load of rich bankers who live in this country are going to have different political beliefs than me because their lives are different. Of course they are. I think it's... I don't have to like them, but I don't hate their choices to... I don't hate the fact that their nature is different to mine. Um, and again, I think that's, a, that's in, in, in numerous different areas. I don't like... And I used to be someone who was very much, here's how it is. Everyone should listen to me. I know what's right. I'm not a single mum trying to scrape by a living on a, uh, a council estate. I'm not a middle-aged businessman who's doing all right but still, you know, he's got a family and the wolf's always at the door. Um, there's a lot of different angles for a lot of different people. So, yeah, it's why I, I don't talk about my politics too much because I, I know that when I was that ignorant teen, if I was into me, I'd hear what I'd say and I'd say, yeah, I agree with him and I wouldn't actually research it. The same as I did as a teen where I said, I don't vote because they're all the same. And if someone at any point had said, oh, on, on what policies are they all the same? I would have gone... Yeah, they're, yeah, they're just all the same, aren't they? On what policies are UKIP the same as the Green Party? Ah, they're just all the same. All right, you, you know what I mean. So it's, it's one of them. I don't want to. I don't want to use any influence I may have on purpose or accidentally in the wrong way. A really good answer. I like Thank that. you. That's cool, man. Uh, I should have just left it at personal because that got a big <laughs> laugh. No, that was a little bit. That was a little bit. <laughs> and then I rambled on, like all serious, like guys. But yeah. Um, I've got another two for you, though, quick. Uh, do you think Spawn should get a reboot? Do you think who? Spawn. 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 Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I, I, I didn't read that much Spawn back in the day, but I've heard they're meant to be rebooting it, but making it more as a horror than as a superhero film, which I'm down for. I think that'd work. I'll take it whatever way it comes yeah. from. <laughs> it was a brilliant comic. Um, so, yeah. Um, who's your favourite wrestler? Who's my favourite wrestler? I really like... like. I genuinely... I met this guy, Jack, Jack Gallagher, at my signing the other day. I've been watching him since January and I think he's fucking amazing. Him and Will Ospreay are the two dudes that I've watched a lot of. Absolutely adore. Other than that, and I think I've mentioned this in all the recorded live podcasts now, but they're not up yet, so it's not anyone... I'm not saying you've not listened and you've repeated a question, but aside from wrestlers or anything in general, I think my favourite human in the world at the moment is a guy called Shinsuke Nakamura. He's just my... He's just the weirdest, most charismatic thing. And again, I've said this numerous times, but... Right? Everyone who's not into wrestling, right? There's this wrestler called Nakamura, right? He's from Japan, have a think in your head now who you reckon his main influences are. Have a little think. Just get them ideas in your head. I'm going to tell you now, right, the first one. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> like, legit. The second one, Michael Jackson. He's fucking amazing. He blows my mind. He's got this move, right? Like, one of his main moves that he does all the time is he'll push someone against the ropes... And then he'll just put his head on their chest and then hang his arms. And then after a while, he'll get up and walk away. And the, his opponent will look confused and everyone will just be like, what's happening at the moment? And it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. I love it. Um, so, yeah, I'd say Nakamura at the moment. The dude's a legend. Kill man. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. And now the lady at the back who was going to come down, if you'd like to start making your way.
Or have you changed your mind? No, here we go. Perfect. The reason I'm only getting two people from the back is I have to now make awkward small talk. And it puts the pressure on the young, the, the young lady, like in, like, or in that Limmy sketch, when, he, when someone holds the door for you and you're too far away. <laughs> and you've got that horrible pressure of, ah, oh, thanks. Do a little run. Hello, what is Hi. your name or what would you like to discuss? Uh, I'm Carrie. Um, I was just to say, like, where did you come from background? Like, what got you into hip-hop? What got you into... And then obviously get into the acting. Yeah, um, well, I come from a small town in Essex called Stamfordly Hope, which is the small town I still live in. Um, I've lived there for 35 years. I had a year in Wolverhampton. It gets more interesting than this. I'm not just going <laughs> to list where I've lived. Although, interestingly, right... Imagine this, here's my mum's house, right? You can't see this on the podcast. So that's, you hold that one. Here's my dad's house, right? I used to live there. And now, yeah, now I live there. So I'm now exactly half, for people who aren't seeing it live, I'm exactly halfway between my mum and my dad's houses. I used to be a quarter to my mum's and three quarters to my dad's now I'm halfway so I reckon in another five ten years I'll move so I'm three quarters away from my mum's and a quarter to my dad's and then in another ten fifteen years my dad will be dead and I'll just move into his (laughs) his house so I'm making my way through Stanford in really small increments um but yeah I grew up in a small town and what got me into hip-hop was being in love with punk because I think they're born of the same cells, I guess. Punk rock, I got really into punk rock as a kid, and it's, in England, it was the, the working class, it was the voice of the voiceless for kind of the working class and those who didn't have the means to learn how to play their instruments and stuff like that. And then years later, I started hearing hip-hop and realised it was the same in America. It was, it was the voice of the voiceless. It was a, it was a, a, a lower-class community that, that could suddenly express themselves and express their struggles and their fights and battles. So I got into that. Then from hip-hop, I got into Sage Francis and Saul Williams... And that opened, opened me up to spoken word. I started doing spoken word because I lived in a small town in Essex and I didn't have anyone to make a beats or anything for me. So I didn't get into spoken word because I, I love poetry and stuff. I've grown to. I got into spoken word because I was like, oh, right, so there's this thing that I can do where I don't have to rely on anyone else. I can just go up there and, and do my thing. So, yeah, I did that. And then acting, or in fact, everything since then, I give a lot of long answers, eh? Um... <laughs> So, just before I started doing hip-hop and making music, I was doing a bit of street art, a bit of photography. I'd written a film that I'd started to shoot, and I'd started doing their music. And I started working under the name of Scroobius Pip, because it was a creature that that doesn't know what it is. I've told this story a million times, but basically it's a creature that's kind of going, it's okay to be all these different things. You don't have to... Just go into one category. You can be anything you want. So I started doing that. And that kind of stuck throughout my career. So at no point have I thought, oh, I'm transitioning from this into this. I'm just kind of always been trying to do stuff that's interesting and stuff that's enjoyable. So when I got asked if I wanted to do a club night, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a laugh. And when I got asked if I wanted to do a monthly 
film night at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. I was like, yeah. And then I announced it, and people were like, so why are you doing a film night? Like, what have you got to do with films? Like, just watch them and that, and someone asked me, so... <laughs> do you want to... I'm basically saying, do you want to come and watch a film with me once a month? And people did. Um, and then, yeah, the acting thing came about from people like Simon Pegg, people like Riz Ahmed and Nick Frost, all saying to me, and Riz in particular, Riz kept saying... So when are you going to start acting then? Because Riz was in Four Lions, he's in the new Star Wars film, he's one of the most amazing British actors um, around at the moment. And he was like, he knew I was a massive film and TV fan, and he was like, you know, and Simon Pegg said this as well, he said, you know, like on stage, you know when you do, for example, You Will See Me, you know you're not really angry every night, and when you do that, you know you're acting then. And then he said, like, on the music videos, he's like, you know, you, you're not really a serial killer, or you're not really this or that. It's like, you've been acting for years. And that helped a lot. That kind of made me feel right, because there was that concern. Again, I come from a working-class family. There was that concern that I'm taking a shortcut, and I'm cheating anyone. And Riz hooked me up with his agent, and she said quite early on, she said, look... You're not taking a shortcut. You're, everything you've done elsewhere is getting you auditions. If you're shit, that's all it gets you. They could, my, the rest of my career could get me a million auditions and I could never act in my life because I could do shit. But he's like, that opens the door and what you do, do once you're in the door is up to you, which sounds really creepy now, doesn't it? Actually, that's like, <laughs> I got the door open. <laughs> now I just got to decide what to do. Um... And yeah, and so far it was, it was, it was mental because the first three auditions I got, I got. I, like, I got through auditions and you're always told that something like 80% of auditions you never hear back from. That's kind of meant to be the standard that you, you live to. And I'm catching up on that now. I've, like, I've had a few since and haven't got any. But yeah, I felt insanely blessed that the first three I went for, all of them kind of worked out. So yeah, that's kind of my story, I guess. So who was it that influenced you to... Carry on going. Do we go? Um, I don't really. Off, I don't really know. I've just always. Um, and when I was talking to Limmy earlier, he was saying that he always just kind of felt not that he was meant to do something great, but that he wasn't meant to do all that other stuff. I did, like when I was at school, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, but I had a decent idea of what I didn't want to do. And I live again. I live in a small town in Essex. It's a commuter. It's a commute away from London. Everyone works in London in the city. I knew I didn't want to do that, and that was about it. I've been avoiding that ever since. My whole career has been avoiding working in the city, and so far, I'm getting by. Yeah, Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Who's next? Let's go for. Oh, there's loads of you now. There was like two at the beginning. Everyone's getting cheeky now. Um, I'm going to go for that gentleman there. You, 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 that look round. Hello, sir. What is your name and what would you like to discuss? Andy, um, just how's your jiu-jitsu going? <sighs> Not good, Andy. Not good. Um, I, I fucking love Brazilian jiu-jitsu and... I'd watched a lot of stuff for years. I, I, I obsessed with EBI. I got asked to, to write an article on one of the Eddie Bravo invitationals for a Bloody Elbow, which is one of the best blogs. I was so honoured. But I used to train in it. 
and I trained at a Gracie Baja and I rolled once at a training session at 10th Planet in LA, which is one of the best in the world with Eddie Bravo and all these. And when I was had time, I was having, I was going twice a week, but I was having a one on one before the group session. So it was kind of, I guess, four hours a week. Um, and I loved it. And the only reason I was training personally was to get more enjoyment from watching. The more I train and understand, the more I could enjoy watching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments or when it goes to the ground in, in UFC. Um, and then I just got really busy again. And it's not something... I, I really respect the dedication it takes to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at a high level. And I wasn't comfortable dropping in every week or two or being do you know what I mean like when I had that period where I was like right I can come twice a week I can come every time they're doing no gi I can make it I might be able to make it on one of the gi nights and all this kind of thing but yeah I felt it disrespectful to the class which they would say otherwise they'd say come down whatever but it felt to me I didn't want to be just some dude who's turning up every every month or two and going yeah so I can say I'm a podcast yeah I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um, yeah I roll I roll but yeah the, the, the other thing I was going to ask you, I'm the guy that made the funny noise when you Excellent. mentioned the boys earlier. Yeah. Um, thanks for having Garth on. That yeah. is pretty awesome. You don't hear much from him. What are you thinking about Preacher? Um, I love Preacher. I think they've smashed it. Um, I got excited when they announced Preacher and when they announced they weren't just doing the story from the book because that excited me because I was like, initially I was like, I'm excited it's got a series but I don't know how they're going to do this and then they didn't. <laughs> Which was great news. They changed it a bit. And then they're seeming like they're going to get on track with some of the comic book story because of the ending of the of this series. Um, I think it's great. And Garth was was one of the ones I was most n- nervous to do because he doesn't do a lot of press and doesn't do a lot of interviews. And I got it hooked up through Warren Ellis. He hooked me up with Garth. And it seemed that they weren't that friendly with each other. I'm sure I felt a bit of tension. <laughs> it seems like a, we'll hook that up, but... We're not actually going to talk. I could have completely imagined that, but I met him in his hotel room. Um, he was in London for like a couple of days. And yeah, I was hugely excited and hugely n- n- nervous, but it went okay. Like It went as good as I could have hoped it, it had gone. It's always tough when it's someone you've not met before because yeah. you don't know how good they're going to be at talking or how much they're going to be able to to engage for that long. And, and Garth was great. Sweet, sweet. What are you reading just now? Um... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just catching up on stuff I've been into for a while. So in my suitcase at the moment, I've got the latest saga. I've got the latest s- sex criminals. It's a book. It's not a... <laughs> it's not a catalogue. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. There's another one that's got a, y- a yellow cover... <laughs> And I can't think what it's called. I think it's called We Can't Go Home Anymore or something like that. And I've not read it. I just heard it was good. So I grabbed that before I left. Um, and there's one more that I got the, the latest one of. Oh, um, East. East of West. East of West, yes. Yeah. is my favourite. So yeah, I've got the latest <laughs> a, a one of that. Yeah. You nailed it. Um, yeah. I'm loving it. Have you read Nightly News? Yeah. Because that's because, one of my favourites. I read favorites. it because of you. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's amazing, a weird read. It? Uh, yeah. It's set out strange. It blew my mind. I've never, I've never read a comic like it, and it, it, it blew my mind. But uh, yes, yeah, so H- the ones... Hickman's the man, man. Yeah, but, he's amazing. Cool. Although he's... I was, I was reading 
I think at points, he's too clever. And it, tr- it, tr- it travels me. There was a couple of things I read of his that I really enjoyed, but I was like, man, I know I would have enjoyed that more if I had a degree in Russian history. <laughs> but I don't. So I enjoyed it a bit. And I'm not going to go and get a degree in Russian history just to enjoy a comic book more. Um, so, yeah, I think he's great, but at times his intelligence intimidates me. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot, man. Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. Nice one. And all the hands are going up now. How long have we got? Um, right, I'm going to have the guy in the Scroobius Pip T-shirt. Just bear that in mind if you come into one of my gigs in future. <laughs> SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. Anyone in official merch? Um, hello, sir. What's your name? What would you like to discuss? Hi, Pip. I'm Dale. Um, I've been sitting there trying to get the courage up to come up and Excellent. ask some questions. I've always got some things noted down. But uh, the more I look at you, the more I, I start to wonder, and people on the podcast won't be able to understand this, so I'll, I'll describe it. Yeah. Pip's a man like many other, more handsome than most. Two arms, <laughs> two legs, two wrists, two watches. Yeah. Do you have a reason? Um... <laughs> I couldn't think of a reason not to have two watches. Because I've got two trainers on. I've got two socks on. If I wanted to put gloves on, I'd have two gloves on. That's a good point. Um, If I wanted to wear earrings, I'd maybe have two earrings. Like when I pop my headphones in, I put two headphones in. So anything you've got two of, you tend to put two on. So my kind of question to you guys is, why haven't any of you got two watches on? It's you kind of weird, Confucius right? You know what say, don't you? Huh? You know what Confucius say? Man it, with one watch all the time. Yeah. Man with two, never quite sure. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> God damn it. This guy's good. <laughs> so, um, my, the, the reason I came tonight, um, I came myself because uh, my friends weren't able to come along, they're big fans. You've been a huge influence on me in the last year, you've, you've been a, a big proponent and you spoke out a lot about mental health issues and yeah. a lot of things that have, have really helped me. Um, I, I loved your, your, your uh, interviews with Jordan Bickley, with Eddie, uh, Eddie Temple Morris, yeah. um, all his work on, on Calm and everything like that. Um, so for myself, it was more, more just to ask, is there any, uh, any organisations that you would recommend contributing to and helping towards um, that, that help raise awareness for mental health? Sure. I mean, Calm is one I said I've, I've worked with for a long time because it's, it's crazy that the biggest killer of males in the UK suicide. Um, is suicide. That's, that's, that's mind-blowing. Um, and, yeah, I think they're a great charity. But I think, I mean, my mum works for the Samaritans, and I think they're a wonderful resource. And it blew my mind when she started to work for them, and I'd learn more about them. And things like they're not allowed to try and talk you out of anything, which is beautiful, because then you've got this genuinely unjudgmental voice to talk to they can't try and tell you they can comfort you and chat to you and be there for you but they can't tell you what to do and they don't and that's that's an amazing resource when you when you when you you need someone to talk to and see i'd say i'd say both of them the thing that 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 troubles me a little is with mental health and with a lot of charities it's a big problem i've got with charity in this country in general is that it's it's a competition now it's really sad that they're businesses, that they are actually businesses and they are competing and breast cancer and testicular cancer get countless percentages more donations than 
pancreatic cancer and things like that it's all fucking cancer man it should it shouldn't be the one that's most marketable or the one that can come up with the best campaign that goes viral um it's weird so it saddens me in a way on that i'd love it if there was here's the mental health charity here's the cancer charity here i mean rather than it being all this competition of things um yeah i had someone from cancer research approach me at one point asked me to work with them and I said I didn't want to because of those things. Um, it makes me uncomfortable and it makes me sad that it's divided up. And they s- kind of said to me, look, but the thing is, if you lost a relative to, to, to breast cancer, then knowing that you could donate directly to try and cure that is really helpful and motivational. But I disagree with that. I think it's only because you've given them options um, if you had a relative that died of breast cancer and you could donate to cancer, then you'd take that. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't need that division. And, and I just think it's, it's, it's really weird. Um, anyway, I'm just rambling on now about no, my dislike of some charities, but uh, I understand them and I still think they should be supported, obviously. But, yeah. No. And just the point that you're bringing up there, that, that, that being able to talk about it is, is yeah. a huge benefit. And, and the more I speak to people about it, the more... Um, it becomes a, an easier thing to speak to people yeah. about. Um, the more you realise that, regardless of how, from the outside, people look as though they've got their stuff together, and it looks like they're holding it down. Everybody's yeah. got their own baggage, and everybody's got their own thing that they're carrying on. Everyone's a fucking mess, man. There's That's a, it, yeah. It's just it was, how well you can hide it, isn't it? There's a great bit on on one of of Joe Rogan's bits of stand up where he just kind of goes, "Do you remember when we were kids and we thought that there was such thing as grown ups?" And we looked at them and thought, they, they know what's going on. And we didn't know that that's just us, just older and wrinklier, just still not got a fucking clue how to live our lives or tie anything together. But we have that illusion as kids that at some point you're going to go, click, I'm a grown-up now. Sorted. And it's not. It's not as simple as that. And that's kind of a beautiful thing, a beautiful and comforting thing to know, I think. I, I presume you get asked a lot about this because of the content of your work. I mean, uh, I think the first time I had heard domestic silence, I was just bawling because it's just oh, it strikes a chord so cool, thank beautifully. You. Um, so genuinely, the reason I came was just to thank you well, for thank the influence you. you've had in my life in the last year. Cheers. Well, thank you very much. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Where do we go next? Who has the courage to follow that? That was a hell of a question. This lady here. And then we're going to go... Uh, hands are sneaking up again. I'm just not, I haven't even decided yet. I'm fucking with you. It's just like a magic power. I can make people's arms float. Hello. Hello. What's your name? What would you like to discuss? My name's Eileen. Hi. And I subconsciously knew that you were wearing official merch. You did, so didn't you? Again, bear it in mind, guys. It's all available from the web store. How's it going? What would you like to discuss? Sorry. Um, I've listened for a long time and um, it's quite apparent that, you know, your inspiration for who you bring on, I think it was in the very recent um, distraction pieces that you put out that you said that, you know, you had a couple in your back pocket that maybe got you off to hitting the ground running. Yeah, yeah. The topics that you've covered and the people that you've spoken to are so diverse. If you could actually ask or interview anybody, dead or alive, who would you choose? Um... Oh, um, I'd probably pick oh, Donald Trump and I'd pick 
and 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 I'd pick dead. Amen. <laughs> That's okay. Um, hey, hey. Um, no, I don't know. It's, it's what I, I love about it is the fascinating moments with anyone and everyone. Yeah. You know, I've had like some of the most interesting, and, and they're in the book. But some of the most interesting ones are, are Dr. Susie Gage and yes. Carla Valentine, who I didn't really know beforehand, so I couldn't pick them in this situation. Sure, Do you know sure. what I mean? So yeah. it's like there's a lot that it's like I don't know who would be the most interesting. But after each of them, I was like, oh my god, that was the most fascinating uh-huh. shit because. Dr. Susie Gage is a doctor that looks at the effects of recreational drugs on mental health and the potential benefits or use or prescription of recreational drugs to aid mental health in some way. And Carla Valentine is like works at Bart's a pathology and does like autopsies and all sorts of stuff with corpses and came on and discussed our relationship with death and the fact that it's a taboo and yeah, Follow just amazing stuff. She's awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's absolutely awesome. f- fantastic. So yeah, it's a tough one. There's there's people like Stephen Fry who've I had lined up, and, t- and Tom Hardy, and all these other ones who I'm sure I have on at some point, and I'd love to have them because number one, I think they'll be absolutely f- f- fascinating, and number two, they'll get a lot of downloads. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but but yeah, genuinely, the interesting ones just come out. All over the place, so yeah. And do you find that, the obviously you've, you've said in the past that it's not planned, that you don't necessarily have a, a form that you're following, yeah. it, the conversation comes out of itself. Yeah. Is there anything that's genuinely just taking your breath away that you're going, I can't believe I'm discussing this with you? Yeah, there's been a few. Um, just on the unplanned, I'm, I make some notes and I always hope I won't have to look at them. That chat with Limmy, I didn't open my notes and we talked for over two hours. I mean, dude can talk. I, I say we talk for two hours. Um, but it's great. But it's, 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 it's fantastic. And I, I love it when it's like that because it just means it's clicked. I'll always make yeah. my notes because I like to be prepared, but I like it when I don't have to look at them. Tom Robinson is one of my favourite podcast guests. And he, he, te- he told a few stories. And one of them's in the book. And I won't go into huge detail on it because it's a long story, not just to try and get extra book sales off you. But it's a beautiful story of when he was sent to kind of a home, a boarding school, and it blew my mind to hear it. But the moment in that one that really got me was, and I repeated it about ten times in the podcast because I kept having to go back, because Tom Robinson's got a show on Six Music. He was a musician for years. He's an amazing guy. He's a regular dude. He's not some duttery old man. But when he decided that he was gay, when he was coming of age and realised he was gay, obviously that's always an awkward and tense thing for people to realise, I'd imagine, you know, a really pressure-filled thing, particularly coming out to family or depending on the kind of community you live in. But when he realised, it was illegal. And that fucking blew my mind that this isn't some... I'm not reading it in a textbook. I'm talking to a dude who I've chatted to 10 or 20 times b- b- before and gone with. And in his lifetime in England, it was illegal. Like his emotions were illegal. His emotions were illegal. It's absolutely insane. Um, so that blew my mind. Chatting to Killer Mike about the, 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 the conflicts or the challenges facing b- b- black America at the moment. 
it blew my mind because he's so articulate and such a good talker. And I was sat there regularly thinking, fuck, I don't know much and I'm like totally white. Um, <laughs> so I just don't have, I don't know, I, I, I can't engage in this, but it, 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 it balanced out and worked out. And actually, Saul Williams, uh, a, a young a, a lady mentioned Saul Williams earlier, that was a favourite to do because. I fucking lucked out so much in that episode because Saul Williams is so much more intelligent than me and there was numerous points where I'm like, man, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, it's blowing my mind, but I can't add anything. And every time that happened, he'd add one thing that by chance I'd have like a fact about or a link on bit. So I sound as intelligent as, as Saul in that podcast, but purely by chance. Genuinely, there was numerous times I was like... I don't even know what to say when this sentence finishes. I want to just make a noise or just do something. And yeah, he's got a good noise over there. But then he, 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 he brought, he'd bring it round to something that I'd happen to read about like that, that week or something like that. I'd be like, fuck yes. I get to pretend I'm as clever as Saul. So yeah, there's, there's been a lot, I guess. Yeah, it's been a joy. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Right, we can squeeze a couple more in. Was there a lady at the front that wanted to... Did you want to ask, ask something? I'll pass this down as I see you've got a stick and I don't want to be a dick about it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> like, Thank come, you. Come to me. It's not, a, it's not a laziness thing, the bringing people up on stage, by the way. I think I've seen a lot of Q&As and there's often either you queue up at a mic or whatever else. And I joked at the start about would I ever have a fan on the podcast... That's what I want this to be. I, the, the, the reason I have people sat there with me is so, as you've seen, we will have discussions and go back and forth rather than there be a mic and then the pressure of a person stood behind you. So it's not just me being, uh, just I'll just sit here and I guess we'll get through a podcast by seeing who, who walks towards me. But that's also why I'm now sat here to chat to you properly. How's it going? All right, how are you? I'm good. What is your name and what would you like to discuss? My name's Audra. Um, Audra? Yeah. Good. Good name. Good name. Good sound name. Yeah, yeah, I like Uh, it. Nightingale's the last name as well. Oh, God. Um, That's that's, that's good. That's solid. That's like a character. Yeah, I know. Do you solve crimes? I'm a superhero. That's all. It sounds like you'd solve crimes. Anyone got any crimes that need solving? I do do a bit of detective word. Oh, there we go. And what, and what would you like to ask or discuss? I was just wanting to ask you, uh, re- I heard the podcast with, that you did with Akala, and I just, yeah. I mean, you're like two of my favourite people to listen to. Yeah. And I just wondered if you were going to do anything else with them, some collaboration of some sort. There's no plans at the moment, but I was exactly the same. The kid blew my mind. Yeah. That, that dude can talk, and he's particularly amazing. on everything. Yeah. There's, there's people like... Um, a Russell Brand gets a bit of a bad rap, but yeah. I think the reason for that is often you'll feel like he's got some some sound bites prepared. Yeah. And there, and there will be a bit of that. And everyone that does that. I was talking to uh, Ramesh Aranganathan, who's, who's been on the podcast, when after he'd been on, um, on, on Newsnight or Question Time or whatever, and I was like, I bet you like studied like four or five things so you could be really shit hot and have that prepared because you you don't look stupid yeah carla isn't that dude no. I, like, I, I am that dude if i know i'm going on something i'll be like i'll study this specific bits hope it comes up and get it he, he just seems knows to be everything. educated on everything yeah. and, and and in a reason a manner as well not in yeah. a he's read one book that, t- that gives him all his views and opinions so yeah he was an amazing one to talk to um yeah i loved it um 
I can't say I've been into all of his, his music over the years. That's not that I don't like it. It's just there's loads I've not heard or not, or not got down with. So there's no particular plans to collaborate at the moment. But damn, I, what I, I intend to continue enjoying hearing that man speak. I really think you should. Yeah. I think you should do yeah. it. It's a very yeah. good idea. And if you did it, it was my idea. Yep, so. totally. <laughs> Copyright, Audrey Nightingale. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Right, I think we can fit one more in. And then, as said, I'm just going to sit here and you can all come and get stuff signed so we can still hang out and stuff. You can have photos. It'll be lovely. We're going to have a lovely evening still. The night isn't over, but i just got to pick this last person. They're pointing at someone. That guy. Yeah, no, the guy, the, the guy that said he's from Essex, people were pointing at him as well. So come on up. We'll have you. No, actually, forget it. I can talk to you in Essex. Uh, <laughs> Now, come on out, come on out. <laughs> that would have been horrible. <laughs> you are, mate, Cameron. Hello, nice Cameron. To, nice to meet you again. And you? Um, yeah, uh, this is an interesting question, as you've kind of alluded to it from other people's questions. Um, I got into you as a fan of punk rock. One, because yeah. you were local. And two, because it reminded me of punk rock in the sense it was very socially conscious music that discussed political issues. Cool. And um, I'm loving the wave of rock and punk music in the UK right now, but I've noticed something, even in the most mainstream of hip-hop, it's talking about politics way more. And yeah. I know when I got into rock music, we didn't have the Tories, Donald Trump and the far right weren't a thing. So that kind of explained it. But in this time now, you'd think back in the 80s when we had Thatcher and Reagan, it fueled Black Flag, Billy yeah. Bragg. Um, why do you think hip-hop is bringing so much more socially conscious music than his, the punk music, which has always had a history of it? Because we're at a time when black people are being hugely f- fucked over and there's a lot more black people into hip-hop than into, into punk. Um, so, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's kind of as... Or it can be kind of as simple as that. And I, I love... I love hip-hop, and I love spoken word, and I love stand-up comedy for the fact that they can address issues so quickly. And, and we're in a world where everything is so fast-moving now. So if you want to sit down and write a punk record, and again, it's, it can be quick, but that could often be a longer thing than a dude jumping on a mic on a, on a radio show and spitting a freestyle or, or spitting something he's just written on a subject and addressing it immediately. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of, that's kind of my feeling there. There's still punks talking about shit. Itch and that, and that King Blues record, Off Where Their Heads, was, was a beautiful call to arms and anger but yeah yeah um okay one more musical question then i'll uh, head off um so as i'm getting to 24 now um a lot of my friends who are my age kind of don't listen to new music yeah. they've sort of just become set in their ways and just you know stick to what they know and it's hard to find mates to come see underground new music yeah obviously you um put on a club night you must be checking out new stuff um do you find that sort of obviously you're a bit older than me did you find that's always been a thing people <laughs> He still looks better than me. Come on, guys. <laughs> but do you find that's a thing where people just sort of grow out of checking out new things? Completely, man. And I think it's completely natural. I think um, our, our receptors are heightened in our teens. Um, I think uh, we also grow out a little bit of thinking that the girl that you're seeing at that moment or that you're in love with in class is the be-all and end-all of the world. I think everything, if, if, if you think of everything in your teens, it tends to be heightened. You'll generally or often find a, 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 your favourite films, your favourite bands, your favourite albums, your high school crush and so on and so forth. I think we grow up and we become a little bit more cynical 
and rightfully so, because um, we're humans and we generally fuck everything up um, <laughs> and have historically always fucked everything up um, and will continue to fuck everything up. So that's gone off topic. Um, yeah, I think it is tough, but it's, I also think it's completely natural at times. I think there's also a lot of people, and it blew my mind when I first realised this, and it's, it's, it's when I was working in a record store, I realised, and this will blow your mind, because I know you, I know you, but there's people that aren't really that, f- that fussed about m- music. Fucking hell. It's, and it's, it's, it's genuinely, if you're genuinely into music, it's a mind-blowing thing to kind of take in, and that's why you realise that there's nothing wrong with... And when I was working in HMV and realised this, it was James Blunt and Dido were both out. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with people who want to uh, uh, listen to that. And we kind of said at the time, and this sounds like an insult, but it genuinely isn't, and you'll still m- maybe snigger and think it's an insult, but it's music for people who aren't into music. And that's fine, man. There's some people who just want something on in the background that sounds nice. And, yeah, and, and, and that's all right. Um, it's hugely exciting when people keep their passion for finding new music and... John Kennedy, who's been on the podcast, who gave me my first ever airplay on on XFM, who, who launched my whole career. He's one of those people. You bump, I bumped into him at, at South by Southwest, and he's older than me. Yeah. We're, we're all just trading up on the old thing here. He put it onto me. I'm putting it on John Kennedy. He's not even here to defend himself. He's older than me. Um, and I bumped into him, had a chat, and was hoping to hang out. And he was a bit twitchy and awkward. And then I realised it's because in his notebook, he's got notes of all the people he wants to see. And some of them, he can see 20 minutes, he can see their last 20 minutes and then go over there and catch their first 20 minutes. And he's just got that passion still for, 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 for new bands. And that's a beautiful thing. It's people like that and Zane that I really admire, not just in music, but in all art. As my fear is becoming one of these old people who they don't listen to anything or read anything new. I want new ideas to challenge my opinions in the future so I can keep developing and just, I think it's important people keep checking out new films, new television, new ideas in general, because otherwise you become one of those, everyone knows that old person who they're stubborn. They'll just dismiss anything new. Yeah. Stop yeah. that person. I get that. I get that. And, and, and I do think you're right. And it's important to keep, keep, keep pushing for new things, but there's also been some fucking good records made, man. And some good films made. So it's called, it's, it's cool. If people, if some people get s- s- stuck on them, don't know, I can forgive that, I can forgive that. But yeah, it's, it's wicked that you're still hunting things out, so good work. Yeah, great, uh, that's me done. Uh, thanks again Thank for speaking much, about man. so much good stuff. No worries. Right, we're going to have to call it a night there. Um, let me see how this is going to work. I'm going to be here, and you can all just come up, I guess, if you've got books. If we can, the way we actually suggested it is, if you kind of form a queue down the middle, if you're leaving try and go out the sides and if you're coming up here then we'll form a queue in the middle and we can all get stuff signed is that all right wicked let's do it you've been listening to squibbish pits discretion piece there we go. The Scottish never let you down. Never let you doon. Doon is that? That's more Newcastle, wasn't it? Anyway, 
thank you for tuning in guys please subscribe and spread the word and all those other good things and buy the book that's kind of what i'm hustling right now as you can tell so check that out next week we're gonna have the wonderful brenda burns a lot of you've been asking for this for a while so you're gonna enjoy that um so i'll see you then ta-ta